Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, it's October 21. It's a beautiful autumnal day here in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, is autumn... Oh, <laughs> excuse me. Welcome to my head. Is autumn like the official season moniker? Uh, and why do we call... And, and the fact that we call it fall, it obviously although maybe not, because sometimes obviously is not the right answer, but obviously that has to do with the leaves falling, that we call it fall, but it's really autumn. It's winter, spring, summer, autumn, right? And somehow we started calling it fall. I'm just asking, it just occurred, I don't know. Uh, oh, guys... Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm looking out here and it's all orange. <laughs> it's orange with sun on it. And uh that's beautiful. God bless nature. Anyway. Um I cannot wait. Uh for the election to be history mostly because I can't stand the deluge that we've all been under for so long of uh, email stuff, social media stuff, snail mail stuff, the ads on our televisions and radios. I'm so sick of it. And this is what happens when you live in like a consequential battleground state. People living in most states in the Union aren't seeing or subjected to anywhere near what we're being subjected to. Let me tell you who the winner is here. Pennsylvania television stations. They make more with an election like this than they will... I think, for the rest of the year. It's their absolute uh, quadrennial. Is quadrennial every four years or four times a year? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. I, I, I swear I slept last night. Um, anyway, whatever. It, it's just an incredible uh, infusion of cash for... Uh, television stations, all of this political advertising. Uh, I'm loath. <laughs> I'm loath to talk about some of the stuff that's in the news today, but maybe we should, huh? Uh, here's something I thought. It's a you know, it's not the lead story story today but there's a story uh that's you know been out there it's not a shocking story it's that one of trump's major donors uh 
Elliot Brody. How'd that I get in his name? Don't you want to just say Brody? Elliot Brody um, has uh, pleaded guilty to uh, all kinds of nefarious conduct uh, of taking uh, millions from a a Malaysian. I'm trying to remember. I'm looking for the the piece I have on it. So I, a, a, a Malaysian uh, fugitive. <laughs> These guys that seem to be Trump's buddies, they're all crooks. Uh, yeah, so Brody, his thing is he took nine mil from uh, this, yeah, fugitive, Malaysian uh, financier, apparently, and then turned that money around to uh, get uh, Trump to do certain things, I guess, that the fugitive Malaysian would uh, appreciate. Whatever. Uh, uh, Then it occurred to me, although it wasn't in the article that I read, that I think I thought to myself that Brody was the chair of the Republican National Committee Finance Committee. (laughs) in the not-too-recent past. And I double-checked, and yeah, he was. So the guy in charge of the finances of the Republican National Committee, that's the party, that's the party apparatus, the, the, yeah, the, that's it, that's the party, <laughs> um, is an admitted felon. He's a crook. I actually think he was an admitted felon before, didn't he? There was something about him paying off a Playboy model who he knocked up or something. I, I, you know, these guys, you can't make it up. And then when I thought he was the finance chair, then I had this other thought. Wait a minute. Wasn't the felon Michael Cohen, <laughs> Trump's fixer, uh, wasn't he the finance chair, too, at some point of the Republican National Committee? And so I looked that up, and no, he wasn't. He was the deputy finance chair. Now, I don't know. If somebody wants to Google – that's another story – if somebody wants to Google – uh, finance chairs of the DNC, the Democrats, uh, who are felons, it'd be interesting. But I don't recall any at the moment. The fact that I immediately came up with two this morning, and then when I went to check on Cohen and found out he was a mere deputy finance chair, there was a third that I'd forgotten about. <laughs> A, a relatively recent one, the uh, Las Vegas gambling or hotelier or m- mogul, this awful Steve Wynn, he too was the head of the RNC's finance 
committee. Man, do these guys pick them. But it says something about the Republicans. Who would should be in charge of the money? Obviously, I would say a person of exemplary character. But that is not what a Republican would say. No. Somebody who knows how to get money, move money around, do with money what money's meant to do, exercise power, and screw the law. So three, I came up with three. There might be more. Finance chairs, heads of making money, holding money for the Republicans, the Republican Party, are crooks. Oh, I should say in Steve Wynn's defense, I do not think he was ever convicted, uh, but he was uh, removed <laughs> from the chairmanship uh, because there was a lot of um, unseemly uh, charges uh, dealing with uh, rape and a sexual assault. So, you know, he's a little bit of an outlier there. His criminal activities, uh, at least the ones he apparently was charged with or got caught doing, it were, had to do with, you know, the exercise of sexual power. Although I'm sure he was quite capable of knowing what to do with money. So, I mean, that's just... It's it's important to sort of uh, remember and then to start drawing conclusions from these disparate facts that, you know, just pop up here and then a few years later pop up there. And then and rarely are they sort of pulled together. But that's got to say something. <laughs> It's hardly, it's hardly surprising, right? Oh, Lord. So, speaking of abuse of power, crooks, men of uh, dubious character, and I'm being very kind with that adjective. I've been sitting on this for a while because, you know, it's just, you know, in the rush of all the stuff going on. Um, stories that would normally be very big, I've said this a million times, just literally fall by the wayside. I mean, you don't even, you know, you just, off they go. But I did want to note this, that a guy who has served in the Department of Justice for almost four decades served under eight presidents, obviously Republicans and Democrats. He's a guy named uh, Philip Halpern, and he has spent his career in the Department of Justice as a, um, a prosecutor, goes after bad guys. And he's done that uh, in San Diego. And he finally, <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't anymore. 
because this is a guy who knows the law. This is a guy whose job has been serving presidents and attorneys general of both parties. This is a guy who couldn't anymore serve this attorney general and this president because to his mind that put him on the side of the criminal. They're the crooks. And he just couldn't work for crooks even if their titles were attorney general and president. He said, if you want to say, well, what took him so long? He said he would have quit, believe me, would have quit earlier. But he had been working on a specific case that targeted uh, a, another crook and a office holder crook and a Republican office holder crook because that all those things generally go together. And you may recall the name Duncan Hunter. He was a congressman. He was a crook. He was a thief. He stole campaign funds. He tried to throw his own wife under the bus. And Halford didn't want to jeopardize what he knew would be a conviction of this vile character. So he stayed until Duncan Hunter was found guilty. Now, it should be known that um, Philip Halpern is not the only long-time serving Justice Department employee. For that matter, we could go to other uh, cabinets. I mean, cab, uh, cabinet, uh, what am I saying? Uh, yeah, we could go to other you could go to the Interior Department. You could go to, uh, you know, labor. There are so many people who have served over and over and over who literally cannot stomach serving these people. And it's extremely unusual in the Justice Department for someone to do this. Try to find me any, anyone in the eight years of Barack Obama's presidency who served in the Justice Department who left because he couldn't hold his nose anymore. There are none. Two other federal prosecutors, one in Seattle, one in Boston, also have publicly come out, and they did not leave their jobs, which is even more unbelievable, that they criticized Barr for what they saw as, if not criminal, 
but it is incredible abuse of his power as the attorney general. Um, a law professor at uh, Georgetown who, uh, who also served as a federal prosecutor, actually under Barr, the first time he was AG, which was under George H.W., right? He said, I have never seen sitting prosecutors go on the record like this about the attorney general. This is unprecedented. Others who are not quite as high up the food chain have also quit. Halpern says there are many colleagues who have quit or are quitting. And he said, and also really highly qualified uh, lawyers uh, who would otherwise have looked at a career um, working for the Justice Department as a, a wonderful opportunity are uh, are now not stepping forward. Halpern said this, I always believe the department's leaders were dedicated to the rule of law and the guiding principle that justice is blind. That is a bygone era. Crooks. Here's a funny one. I haven't even uh, tuned into this, uh, you know, this Russian, uh, you know, uh, you know, Hunter Biden misinformation, New York Post uh, latest uh, crapola. I mean, it, it's it's a totally made up story, which is why. It's been easy to avoid it because reputable uh, news operations are only reporting on it in so much as to say this is BS. But part of what the Republicans are, are saying about Hunter Biden is that he, my God, had opened a bank account in China and that he had other connections to foreign governments. Of course, Hunter Biden is not somebody of great power or anything. He's not a federal official. He's in the private sector. But if that is such an egregious thing for someone in the private sector to have a bank account in a foreign country or two, then what do you make of the fact that now we find out that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, has an account in China and has had 
throughout his presidency, something he never reported. You know, somebody who gets to be president of the United States is supposed to be financial disclosure, so we know, like, where his interests might lie financially, this and that. As you know, the president of the United States refused in any way to let the American people know where his financial interests were. He refused to let us see his tax returns. He somehow, oops, forgot about letting people know that um, I'm doing business in China. The Chinese account, by the way, is not in Donald's name. It is controlled by Trump International Hotel Management. And guess what? I'm just looking at this two years this is not the current stuff, 2013 to 2015, that, that Trump entity paid the Chinese government $188,000 plus in taxes. Now, what's interesting about that, you know, $188,000 plus, that's nothing. That's chump change for Trump, right? But when you realize he was paying 188000 of the Chinese and stiffing his own country, paying next to no, we know now, in the last 15 years, he only paid taxes five of those years, federal taxes, and sometimes as much as 750 I wonder if they'll be howling about this on Fox News or all those other wonderful disinformation outlets. Incredible. Well, here I did mention Google, and let me drop back to it. So the government... The Justice Department, under Bill Barr, has uh, brought charges against Google, uh, saying that it is, you know, abusing its power as essentially a monopolistic entity, that it is harming others' ability to compete and is also harming its consumers. Now, I got to tell you, this is going to go on for years, <laughs> a case like this. There is no doubt that Google is a monopolistic entity, just as there is no doubt that Amazon is a monopolistic entity. And who the hell knows if and when we'll finally have a federal government that does go after these people. You never want this kind of concentration of power. Strangely, this case against Google brings together the likes of Elizabeth Warren and Bill Barr. 
I don't know many people who would side with Google or Amazon because these tech giants are going to suffocate everybody. And it is why I, as much as I can, have always refused to give them any of my money. I have never stepped foot in a Walmart because that used to be the one I thought, look what they've done to us, Walmart. They, because of their underbidding everybody, they destroyed so many small businesses, destroyed them. And not only did they destroy small businesses with their very successful business plan, but they lowered the wages of American workers, which I guess was a good thing because people who weren't making as much could uh, go to Walmart where the prices were just a little bit lower. Because they squeezed their vendors, and their vendors then squeezed their workers. Why would you aid and abet destruction like that? That's why I won't go to Whole Foods. Amazon owns them. It's why when I Google something that I might want to buy because I can't go out, and, the, for, of course, the first things, the first 500 things that come up are all Amazon. Amazon, it just directs you to Amazon. doesn't matter what you want. You could want a friggin' brain transplant. It'll go to Amazon. And it's hard to avoid having to, throughout this pandemic, I have twice had to use Amazon. And when those boxes come with that swish thing on it, I am just, I'm, I'm humiliated. I failed. Just because it's at Amazon doesn't mean I can't get it someplace else. Like I can go to the original, the person who Amazon's getting it from. Oh my God, I might have to pay a little more. Well, guess what? I won't be party to this absolute decimation of the American worker because that's what's going on here. And that the very American workers who are being decimated by these behemoths aid in their own destruction by using them, by giving them their dwindling resources. Suggest that, well, maybe they deserve it. I don't know. The inability to see beyond our desire to save, we think, a penny here or, or convenience. What's convenience worth? Is it worth all these wonderful independent stores going down your convenience? I'm sorry. It's a losing battle I'm 
ranting about here. So I wish the United States government well in breaking these guys up. Because obviously we the people are too easily led astray by, as I said, a little saving of time here, a little saving of money there. Convenience, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that the whole purpose of life? Look, I can go on my computer and boom, just like that. And look, it doesn't charge me for bringing it right to my door like the next day. Who's not going to do that? I'm not. Lost cause. Okay, we got a caller. Hello, caller. When? Yeah. Beautiful morning to you, honey. Oh, it is. Uh, you know, funny you're talking about Amazon. I was just thinking about um, you hear all these people on the radio selling their books. And the first thing, you know, well, where can you get this? First thing, is, well, you can go to Amazon. Amazon. That's what everybody says. That's right. Amazon. That's it. I they wouldn't get say, a book from them for love or money. My God. They never say you can go to your local bookstore and get it. It's first here, thing out of your mouth. Well, Amazon. Okay, listen, this is for you, Lynn. Okay. you have a pen and paper there? Yes, sir. Okay, I want you to write this down, okay? Okay. It's IQair.com USA. And there's a phone number. Is there a slash after com? Wait, wait, wait. Com USA? Or com slash USA? I don't know. Okay. But there's um, a phone number. Okay. Here, let me get let me your number. 1 800 500. Mm-hmm. 4247. And what is this IQ Air? It's a um, air purifier system where they say, now, you know, with you and your asthma, it takes out, according to them, 99.9. <laughs> yeah, how do you know that? Well, because there's a million people saying that. These things are all over the place. I know, yeah, but you don't know which ones. Uh, I, I don't know if this IQ Air is the one. I've been reading some articles about it, and mostly they're just saying a really good uh, HEPA, HEPA filtered uh, air yeah, yeah. purifier. That's that's what you need. Um, yeah. If you and even then, it's not like it eats coronavirus, but what it does is it exchanges the air in the room uh, many, many more times than it would normally. So it pulls things out and who knows, might be trapping some things in there. Who knows? Well, um, for you, it might be worth looking into. Well, it's sweet of you to think of me. I Yeah, I have looked into it and I'm still on the fence about whether to to do it. <laughs> you can also open a window. But, of course, as it gets colder, it's not as possible. Hey, thank you for that. That was awfully kind. Thank you. One other thing here. I was listening uh, last night, and 
maybe somebody out there that's better on the computer than I am. I heard Penn State come up with some kind of deal with this coronavirus, which is supposed to like be I don't know amazing. It you has know, you're, to do with yeah. I just want to say has, Pitt has come out and said they've got something going that's amazing. Penn State, all of these places are you're, you know you're reading their PR. Um, it, they've come up with something that's supposed to be amazing. They have not come up with a cure. They have not come up with a I, – I don't know what it is. But all of these things are so preliminary, but they're trying to, yeah, get some attention. Um, I don't know what it is you're talking about, but I, I, I just see these things all the time. And I know the it reality. Has, yeah. It has something so, to do with mouthwash and mm-hmm. baby shampoo, not mixed together. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody can take a look at it if you're on their computer. Okay. Thank hey, let you. Let me leave you with this, all right? Honey? All right, all right. Guy walks into a bar, says to the bartender, I'd like a pint of less. And the bartender says, I'm sorry, sir, but I don't know what that is. He says, I don't know what it is either, but my doctor told me I should drink less. <laughs> okay, you're out. Bye. Bye. God, was that our joke guy with a new phone? Just occurred to me. Um, Oh, dear. You know, I have um, friends who, like, say, I heard that. Did you see that? And generally what comes out is, you know, like, guys, we've all got to be – Less, to borrow a word we just heard, less credulous. We've got to, you know what, what happens? I, it, like my friend was saying, oh, did you hear that? Um, oh, <laughs> he's an Ashkenazi Jew, okay? He says, did you see that Ashkenazi Jews are less um, less prone to the virus? Uh, I said, no. And he said, no, really. It's, I said, no, really. He says, no, there's not. And I'm thinking, and eventually he said, well, I want to believe it. And I said, there it is. When we see something, we want to be true. We grab it. <laughs> we hold it, you know, as Fiercely as we can, we hold on to that. There's no way anybody could know if Ashkenazi Jews get it less. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's data still, you know, we don't even have the numbers yet. When this is all over, maybe if the records are being kept, populations were less susceptible or not but i gotta tell you israel is filled with ashkenazi jews and they've got a horrible situation over there so it's weird how we it worries me how credulous we are and how we're like sitting, we're just like, oh man, easy pickings, just easy pickings. 
And there's so many out there with the peddlers of disinformation, uh, things that will appeal to people's needs to believe. It's a rare person who's not a wishful thinker. But all it means is you're getting played. I don't like getting played, personally. And I've been played. There have been things where I've seen something and thought, whoa, and, you know, tweeted it out maybe and then found out not true. And I did that once or twice, and, man, I don't – I haven't done it much since because I see how – destructive the spreading of misinformation it doesn't have to be with ill intent it often isn't it's hey did you hear wow look at this and it's nothing it's mouthwash and baby fucking shampoo excuse me uh I think I got a caller. Hello. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike, formerly from D.C. How's it going? <laughs> you still hold up in your fancy Republican digs? I should never have told you that. You I? know what? I feel bad, and I thought I need to apologize to you for being so obnoxious about it. No, you shouldn't have told me because I'm cruel. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought and, talk about yeah. that guy. Okay. What did you go, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, the whole did you see? When someone says, first off, I never say that. If no one who was ever in a debating society or forensics would say, did you see? Right? You're taught to say, I read this article the other day from Forbes magazine that stated blah blah blah. And here's my opinion about that. Have you? What are your thoughts on that? Have you seen? Is just um, lazy. And I almost always try and say, I read an article on or I heard something on NPR that discussed blah, blah, blah. That way, if my listener says, oh, NPR, a bunch of liberals can't believe it, they can change the subject or vice versa. I heard something on Fox News yesterday that, you know, hi, Biden, Hunter, Hunter Biden. Um, and this is, I did see this on Fox News. Um, <laughs> they're even telling them not to discuss that issue because they know it's uh well i saw yeah i saw that there was uh you know a a republican strategist type who said nobody cares about hunter biden there's not a voice that you idiots that's not what you should be talking about with two weeks left which is of course true but they don't have anything to talk about yeah. So I try really hard to think critically and speak in that terms to say, I read this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and on a side note about the Hunter Biden story. So I'm voting. I voted in Virginia and I stood in line for two and a half hours in order to make that happen. Wow. I had my absentee vote, but and a guy walked by who was clearly in charge. He said, oh, you can just put that in there. I was like, if I do, when is my vote counted? And he like shrugged his shoulders like, I don't know. I said, I'll wait in line. 
because I want yeah. my vote counted on Tuesday, not Friday, not two weeks from Friday. I want my vote counted on Tuesday. Yeah. So anyway, so a woman, a Republican um, operative who is standing behind a desk in, outside, she was the only one without a mask on, put on a mask and walked up and down the aisle and said, who would like a Republican sample ballot? Who would like a Republican sample ballot? And there were probably 500 people in that line. Only six took them. But one guy who was one line over confronted her and said something. And she said very loudly so that I could hear, well, are you okay that Hunter Biden, blah, blah, blah. And I screamed over Lynn. <laughs> like <a pistol. laughs> What'd you do? I screamed over and said, yes, we're okay with that. We're going with the guy from Scranton, not the guy from Park Avenue. <laughs> she started away like uh, like she had said something wrong, which she did. So, um, oh gosh! Voting story. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I saw in the New York. Oh God! You talk for one second. I know you don't have anything. Left, okay. What ahead. did you see in the New York Times? <clears throat> okay, anything you don't have to say more. Okay. okay. So there was a, a piece in uh, the New York Times today about uh, living in a battleground state and all this stuff coming at you. And, and somebody um, who has a consulting firm in Pennsylvania said, part of me just wants to go to sleep for the next two weeks, <laughs> you know, because it really is. It's just so. And and then the woman writing the piece says, I can't wait until it's over when I can go back to, you know, worrying about my children instead of my ballot. You know, we're all so worried about our balance. It's it's something. Well, I'm glad you voted. I voted. And uh, the fact is uh, a whole ton of folks have voted. Yeah. And they can't really. I read an article yesterday that um, or saw it on MSNBC that said they can't really extrapolate what any of that means like that. Um, they can say, oh, they have a million more votes um, received this time compared to 2016, but they can't extrapolate what does that mean. Does that mean those are more voters? Does that mean those people are just getting in earlier? Was it more, more Democrats apparently are, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the end result will be more Democrats are. So, yeah, it's difficult to gather you know what we no we're not you know all of you know the news is driving me crazy now because all it is is you know it's stories that don't tell us anything that don't tell us anything we don't know or it's speculative uh you know there's a little fact here and what does that mean and you know we just need to really go go to sleep and so you've been uh, on the other end. So what's that like to be in the newsroom and have an editor saying, I need stories on this. How do oh, you come up with stories? What do you well, do? Well, you know, the, you, you see what they come up with. And it's it's who gives a damn. It's, uh, hey, go and find somebody who voted for, uh, you know, Trump. And now, it, you know, or it's they say, oh, find an undecided voter. And who gives a damn what one idiot is struggling with what does that tell us nothing these these sort of snapshotty crapola things find 
this and that, and then or go and ask people, you know, man on the street, person on the street interviews. What does that tell anybody? It's a sample. Huh? But it's easy, right? Oh, it's easy. And it gives the appearance of, uh, I guess, um, I don't know, it's really the appearance of journalism. It gives the, it fills a newscast. It fills a paper. It's bullshit. It's unnecessary. Huh? And everybody wants their job to be easier. And the newscasters and the news reporters are no different. They just want their job to be easier. I know. Okay. Well, may may your job be easier. I thank you for your call. <laughs> I have not listened to that thing you sent me because if it's going to try to make me a nicer person, I don't. I'm not in the mood. Well, let's fill in the audience. So I sent her this thing from NPR <laughs> called Moral Combat, and it talks about the moral decision that people make. And that some people think that um, a moral decision is a universal concept. Um, But convincing someone who knows, in quotation marks, morally, that two plus two equals five, convincing them that it equals four is nearly impossible. And it talks about your bias on that, too. And Mm -hmm. they gave examples, and it's 42 minutes, and it just talks about the moral, and it was on hidden brain. And it was interesting. And the only I reason I sent it to you was because you gave me a hard time about saying it's Republicans. <laughs> and I have, I have experienced remorse, but I, I still hadn't let you know that. So I'm letting you well, know. I appreciate okay. you saying that. Okay. Okay. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Goodbye. Um, gee, Sharon. I already answered this for you. Sharon says, where can I read and learn about the Americans? Um, no, 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 you didn't spell it correctly. And the Americans are the, uh, those, uh, you know, escaped slaves who, who joined the British Marines in the War of 1812 and then were uh, given land by the British uh, in Trinidad and Tobago. And this is something we never learned about. So I came upon that little fact in a, in a story, and then I did Google. They call themselves Americans. Here is the spelling. It's not like America. It's cuter. M-E-R-I-K-I-N-S. Americans, capital M, <laughs> E-R-I-K-I-N-S. And what I did is Googled, which I do a million times a day, I Googled Americans, Americans, excuse me. And I there's a lot of stuff that's been written about it, if you're interested. And I saw that there was a documentary. That's what I told you. And that's, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Um, Doug wants to know if I've listened to Michael Cohen's podcast, Mia Culpa. He says I should. It's excellent says he may dislike Trump more than you. Well, he's got reason to. 
<laughs> he's oh man. It says he's got heavy hitter guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, but you know what, Doug? I'm not. First of all, I rarely listen to a podcast, which seems a little odd, but I rarely do. And um I don't know. Again, I'm I I'm a little bit of a Puritan in that, you know, Michael Cohen uh did a lot of damage when he served Trump. And, you know, he is getting caught and then coming around and now being on our side, um, you know, gives him a little, uh, okay, that's nice, glad you did it. Appreciate the inside story you're able to share, you're willing to share now. And I generally believe what he's saying now. Yeah, I do. Um, But it's part of this, you know, when you're in this country, Everything gets monetized so that Michael Cohen, you know, being a a bad guy who gets convicted, but he's a fall guy too, which gives him some sympathy. And then he writes a book and because people want to know what he has to say and then that he makes money from from that and now he's got a podcast and he'll make money from from that and it goes back to this sense of america where it doesn't matter if you're famous or in famous infamous or if you're a good guy or you're a bad guy if you have uh real information uh to share it doesn't matter um, it's all about can this be made into money? And I just, you know what? I just tend to turn away. I, I don't wanna. I don't wanna. Remember Joey Buttafuoco? What was that about? Wasn't he involved in killing somebody or his girlfriend killed or I can't remember. And I re- this was like a long time ago. And I remember after that being stunned to see that he became like a celebrity. That was the first time I noticed this thing. A man who should have been, you know, you should turn your back on him. You shouldn't celebrate him in any way. You should, And it just seems I don't get it anymore. I'm sure it's entertaining, and I'm sure he's got tons of stories and all of that, but I just, I don't know. I'm too mad at everybody. You know, it came up earlier, this Amazon thing. Uh Please stop getting books from Amazon. Like the caller said, please, please go, you know, independent bookstores will send you anything you want. They'll get it for you. Oh, it might not be quite as quick. And, oh, you might have to pay, I don't know, a dollar more. I don't know. But you'll be helping a small business stay alive. Local bookstores are closing. The American Booksellers Association says, hey, 
You either start buying from these books instead of the quick, easy thing of giving more money to Jeff effing Bezos. With the holiday season coming up, don't do the easy thing. Please, I'm begging you. There was a sign in a bookstore that says, buy books from people who want to sell books, not colonize the moon. Hear, hear. Well, Ray, I was wondering about you. I haven't heard from you in so long. This is classic, Ray. Interesting point. Uh, Ray says, this is Ray, the, people, the Irish guy who hates the English so much he can't see straight. Okay, because the story of the British honoring their uh, promise to these escaped slaves it makes the English look good, right? <laughs> that is something that Ray could not tolerate. And I always appreciate that. So Ray has written Lynn. (laughs) I wonder which indigenous people the English stole that land in Trinidad and Tobago from before they gave it to uh, the Americans. (laughs) That's a good question. And then Ray says they gave away a lot of land in Ireland that didn't belong to them, too. I hear you. Fair point. <laughs> um, here's a – I'm not going to uh, – all over the internet, people are talking about Rush Limbaugh is like acknowledging now he's dying. And so people have been saying – I. I you know, I don't. Even want, I wasn't going to say anything. He will go down in history as one of the true destructive forces that put Americans at each other's throats. He. And all his copycats. Again, just monetizing, monetizing, causing chaos and havoc and ugliness. Rush Limbaugh and Roger Ailes who gave us Fox News, will historically hold high positions in the pantheon of those who tried to take down civility, reality, and democracy. All right. So 
So, you know, they found this thing. I'm looking at the picture. I don't know if you saw it. Here's where I wish I could show you the picture. This is something in Peru. It has nothing to do with all this stuff we're talking about. It has to do with what people, some person, some people did thousands of years ago. And it's still there. It's called a geoglyph which is a word I'd never heard. Uh, a geoglyph, G-E-O-G-L-Y-P-H. And it must mean a, a kind of, you know, depiction uh, uh, that is put into the land or the rock or something like that. I'm assuming that's what it means because that is what this is. And it's, it's a hill, it's on a hill, and if you're far from the hill and you look at the hill, you see, my God, the image of a cat, the pointy ears, the big eyes, a cat, he's lying down, his tail is long. And it takes up an outline of a cat. And the archaeologists who stumbled across it say it's definitely over 2,000 years old. And it's in a place where other of these huge depictions, which have been sort of etched into the rock. And then, of course, over time, over 2,000 years, it got covered up. But somebody saw a slight something or other and then followed it and, un and released it back into our view. There have been others found... Um, in the last hundred years, huge images of animals, hummingbird, an orca, a monkey, now this cat. This is a prehistoric work by people like us. They don't really know what these animal etchings were intended for, but strangely, they believe, and I mean, these have to be educated guesses, they believe that they might have been travel markers. So you head toward the sun till you see the hummingbird. And at the hummingbird, you turn you know, to the west. And you go until you see the cat. And it might have been a way to help people get where they were going. So just wanted to say... Um, it's just... 
blows me away. When we come face to face with people that were before us and what they did. Um, I'm out of time, guys, and I do have to go on time. I think I am leaving a caller, but I'm sorry. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. I just have an appointment I have to get to. Um, I hope you can enjoy this sunny, beautiful day and uh, stay safe because things are getting a little squirrely again, as you know. Okay? Thank you all for being there. Thank you for letting me scream at you. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.